Good morning, and welcome to Home Retreat, entitled All in This Together? But first, a quotation from Aristotle. Anyone who cannot lead the common life, or is so self-sufficient as not to need to, and so does not partake of society, is either a beast or a god. Or, if we prefer Jean-Paul Sartre, hell is other people. Who of us does not like to consider themselves balanced, well-adjusted, whatever others might say about them? Now, clearly, one sign of a basically healthy outlook is that the happiness and well-being of others matters to us, and not just from selfishness. That, allowing for plenty of mistakes along our way, that we try, at least at times, to see life from the perspective of those around us. But how does this become real in everyday life? One useful parallel might be to consider how for centuries it seemed obvious that the Earth was the unmoving centre around which the Sun and planets revolved. Then comes Copernicus and shocks the world by showing that things are really rather different. We were not, it seemed, after all, the Piccadilly Circus of the galaxy. But although we have adjusted to how Sun and planets relate to each other, we instinctively cling to the old view of things, in turning to the human galaxy, where we tend to expect others to orbit around us and not collide with us. So if this is so, relying on pep talks to bark us into action won't achieve much. Like the mad scientist or perhaps liturgist who cut off each of a frog's legs one by one, each time telling him to jump. The frog struggled to do so until, completely limbless, it remained still. No legs, frog deaf, went into the notebook. This is what makes Benedict's rule so distinctive. On the one hand, it's very realistic about what we are like. Often a toxic mix of self-assertion, possessiveness, suspicion of others, with some good thrown in as well. We need only examine the long list of his suggested tools of good works to realise that an instruction to behave one way implies there is a corresponding problem to be dealt with. But the rule doesn't just leave us floundering. It also proposes a way out of the jungle. So the rule has a high vision of where we are to travel, but combines this with the very real picture of the starting point. And in this, it is very different from visions of a new society which ignore human realities. For example, that of the so-called incorruptible Robespierre and the French terror. Instead of imagining that humans can be perfected on Earth, Benedict starts with the only raw material available, incomplete, mostly unheroic individuals, who nonetheless realise they are called by God to grow in holiness, while realising this will never happen without outside help. As he says in the prologue, Seeking his workmen and a multitude of people, the Lord calls out to him and lifts his voice again. Is there anyone here who yearns for life and desires to see good days? Each of us, whatever our state of life, at some point needs to sort out what we genuinely value most and how we arrive there. And of course, this basic realism about how best to respond to the Christian vocation fully aware of the barriers produced by our own limits 
and those of our neighbours is a challenge for everyone in living out their own specific call to be a witness to Christ's resurrection in the world. And perhaps one particular Achilles heel each of us has is our besetting tendency to see those we meet and those we live with through, so to speak, the frosted glass of our preconceptions. Once these have set firm like concrete, we imprison ourselves as much as them in a labyrinth with no obvious exit. We can see this in the response by Jesus' neighbours in Nazareth. Only too keen to cut him down to size, nothing of what they could usefully have observed over years of close contact with him is allowed to break through and illuminate their mind and heart. From Mark chapter 6. With the coming of the Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue. They said, where did the man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been granted him and these miracles that are worked through him? This is the carpenter, surely, the son of Mary. His sisters too, are they not here with us? And they would not accept him. And so also with Nathaniel, when Philip brings him news of the Messiah. From Nazareth, can any good come from that place? To be fair, Nathaniel humbly backtracks on meeting Jesus. Likewise with Samuel, who jumps to the wrong conclusion on which of Jesse's sons he should anoint as king, before the Lord guides him to David, the most obscure and easily overlooked member of the family. Perhaps most toxic of all is the outrage of the chief priests and Sadducees when the hapless temple guards return empty-handed, having been ordered to arrest Jesus. So you too have been led astray. Have any of the authorities come to believe in him? Any of the Pharisees? This rabble knows nothing about the law. They are damned. Just as we are called to hear with the ear of the heart, we perhaps need to ask for the grace to see and understand others with the eye of the heart. Not in a naive sense of wishful thinking, but aware that, as with an iceberg, what we attempt to judge and summarise as who someone is, is merely a fraction of their total reality. Benedict insists that we need not remain stuck, but this requires accepting that we cannot do this alone. From the prologue, first of all, every time you begin a good work, you must pray to him most earnestly to bring it to perfection. What is not possible to us by nature, let us ask the Lord to supply by the help of his grace. Our efforts and the need for God's grace go together, and this is made clear from the start. Despite the obstacles in ourselves, from others and from circumstances, we are assured that these can if approached correctly, help bring us to God. And so as he ends the prologue, Benedict warns about difficulties, while also insisting that these are a sign of hope. Do not be daunted immediately by fear and run away from the road that leads to salvation. But as we progress in this way of life and in faith, we shall run on the path of God's commands, our hearts overflowing with the inexpressible delight of love. Another key point is that the humdrum tasks of everyday life are more important than they outwardly seem.
And this makes good sense when we consider that genuine love of neighbour must somehow include service to others, often in easily overlooked and routine ways. So while chapter 2 of the rule recognises that one may have a call to be a hermit, such a call must first be carefully tested to prevent self-deception from a wish to escape the irritations of living alongside others. The importance of the routine and ordinary is precisely that it keeps us grounded in what is solid, real and trustworthy. Guests need to be looked after. Cars need to be refuelled for the next user. When we find ourselves tiring of these matters, and we do, we could ask ourselves if we set conditions to the service we perform according to our convenience or sense of self-importance. And of course it can be more challenging to stay committed to serving others in what seem trivial and unheroic circumstances, rather than when there is an obvious urgent need. Rushing someone to hospital to save their life is more satisfying than listening patiently to the same endlessly dreary conversation. If we are to sacrifice time and opportunity for others, we prefer the satisfaction of the headline situation rather than the dusty, dreary greyness of everyday life. And yet God is active in both situations. Just as Elijah discovered his voice in the still small breeze rather than in earthquake, wind and fire. If we were inclined to forget, the steps of humility remind us of the unbreakable link between how we behave towards others and the kind of person we become. Of course, we recognise the difficulty this involves. We do not have to fool ourselves that we enjoy a particular person's company. We are invited to show the patience rooted in faith that self-giving here and now can bring about good for us and others and also offers an opportunity to share in Christ's passion. Life with others, generously lived, is a refining fire, as rough edges are worn smooth by the friction of close contact with others. But the hope held out is that the journey is worthwhile, and we are reminded at the end of the rule, may he bring us together to everlasting life. I'm wishing you all a very good day.